Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, this past Friday, our Concord Outpost rallied together to distribute over 1,000 bags of Starbursts and church invitations to homes in the area. High five, you guys, for blessing your community and showing that you're bursting with love for Concord. In at number four, over this past summer, our So Special group handcrafted over 250 gifts for infants at the Elliott NICU and adults at a Medicis Hospice Care. What a comforting way to share God's love. This high five goes out to you guys today. Here at number three, our Manchester Outpost gathered for a night of worship last weekend. There were songs of praise, quiet moments in prayer, and the sounds of so many shouting the names of our ones. Way to go, Manchester. We're praying for one, knowing that God will give us one. High five to sharing His love. In at number two, we're celebrating Sharon and what God is doing in her life. Sharon has been attending our Manchester Outpost, and recently she was baptized. It was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Sharon. This high five goes out to you today. And finally, up at number one, Logan has been attending our Manchester Outpost and recently found himself ready to respond to what God was calling him to do and be baptized. Logan claims the truth that his identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating that with him today. High five, Logan. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. It's a fantastic day because we are starting. Looking at the people that Jesus appeared to right after the resurrection. Looking at the people that Jesus uh, revealed himself to right after the resurrection. And we know the the resurrection to be important. The resurrection is important. In fact, it is the most important. We know that because of the resurrection, we can be here today. Everything that we believe, the reason that we gather together is because the resurrection did happen. And without it, the story of Jesus would go uh, very differently, right? It would be something more along the lines of, you know, there's this really cool dude named Jesus. Let me tell you about him. He like, People liked what he had to say, so they followed him around for a little bit, and he did some cool magic tricks, and then the government didn't like what he was doing, though, so they put him to death. The end. That's it. But no, we know that's not the truth. We know that's not the story of Jesus. We know that he conquered the grave, that the resurrection did happen. And because of that, he, he paid the eternal price for our sins. He put sin to death once and for all. We know the resurrection to be true. We know it to be true. We have the accounts laid out for us throughout the Gospels. We can also look at the historical significance as well. We know that Christianity had a big boom in that region at that time, right after the resurrection. We have the tomb itself. We know that our whole modern society is based on the beliefs of Christianity. We see how it has shaped modern civilization. But for me, what always stands out the most it comes to more of our, our wiring as people. Because the, the early church was filled with people. They, they were disciples. They, they were people. And for that, I just always focus in on why lie about it? Why would they lie about this? What is there to gain for them to lie about this? Because that's why we lie. 
We lie to gain something. We lie to maybe get out of something or to, to look better for something, to earn favor in any sort of way. But really, there was not a lot of favor going around the world for the people that were part of the early church, the people proclaiming the resurrection. No, mostly what happened to them is they would be beaten or cast out of cities, put into prison or even put to death. We can go to the Colosseum now and, and look and see and read about how Christians in, in early days were put to death right there for their beliefs. And all of that could have been avoided if they just would have said, no, we made the whole thing up. But they didn't. They didn't. They knew the resurrection to be true. So we can take one approach. We can take the approach that everything that we believe, what people have died for, what people have gone into hiding for, what people have dedicated their whole lives to sharing with others, we could say that that's based on a lie. Or we could take the approach and know that without a doubt, it's true that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the eternal price for our sins so that we can become members of the family of God, that we can live in community, fellowshipping with God the Father. So we see that Jesus appeared to many people, proving the resurrection. He appeared to large crowds. He appeared in small gatherings, but also a few personal appearances, which is what we're going to focus on in this series. And as always, our, we have a memory verse to go along with this new series. It is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. I encourage you to read this memory verse aloud with me so that we can hear the words of Scripture coming out of our mouth. So here we go. With gusto. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Way to go. That's some gusto right there. So we, we see this. The Apostle Paul is writing this, and he's delivering an account that we know to be true. He's delivering about something that happened that some people, that a lot of people are about to die because of. And Paul is saying, hey, this resurrection thing, this is a pretty big deal. Jesus appeared to some individuals. Jesus appeared to small gatherings, but he also appeared to a gathering of over 500 people. But the first person that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection was a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. That's what we're going to focus in on today. Mary Magdalene. And man, what an individual she was. The Gospels lay it out for us. She's mentioned 12 times in the Gospels, more than any other woman and more than any of the apostles. In Luke chapter 8, there is an account that Jesus cast out seven demons from her. Man, what a life-altering event for Mary. She, she must have been in so much pain, so much anguish, so much turmoil. And then here comes Jesus and releases her from that. It, in that same account, it, it says that she... Uh, supported Jesus in his ministry. It says that there was a group of women that supported Jesus and his ministry through their means. Now, that probably indicates that these women were supporting Jesus' ministry financially. And we don't like to talk about that very often. But when we think just for a second, I, I'm going to guess that the, the, the fishermen going with Jesus all over the place, like they could probably eat. So you got to think about the food that's involved in that and, and the different supplies. Like, I don't know if someone blows a sandal or something, like it needs to be replaced. But Jesus' ministry was supported financially, and it, it seems that Mary was one of those women. 
All four Gospels have her at the cross, and then she is the first to witness the resurrection of Jesus. We see that she is all in on Jesus, fully invested because her life had been transformed by him. That she not only follows him throughout his ministry, but she follows him to the cross and eventually to the grave. And that's where some of us, that's where we might draw the line. Be thinking, all right, he's, Jesus died. It's over. It's, it's finished. There's no need to continue on. But Mary goes forth and, and she follows Jesus to the grave. And so when we look at these personal appearances of Jesus, we see that Mary is devoted. She's the devoted. She followed Jesus. She's devoted to Jesus, supported him, followed him all the way to the cross, followed him to the tomb. Now, what can we say about devotion? What is there to say about devotion? And that devotion, first off, it, it puts us in the right place at the right time. Devotion puts us in the right place at the right time to see what Jesus has to offer us and the world around us. We're going to dive into the reading for today. It's in John chapter 20. But before I jump in, I just want to kind of paint the picture, lay the groundwork for where we are. So Jesus has been put to death on the cross. He is then buried at the tomb. Mary goes to visit the tomb and discovers Jesus is not there. Mary doesn't know what to do, so she goes down and she finds the disciples and says, hey, I was just at the tomb, looked for Jesus, he was not there. They say, we should probably check this out. So then they all go back to the tomb and say, you know what, Mary, you were right. What are we going to do now? All right, let's go back to where we were, sort of rally the team and figure out what to do from there. So Mary's right back where she started. She's alone here at the tomb, and that's where we pick up in verse 11. It says this, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Mary's at the empty tomb and she's forced to relive this pain all over again. They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. But through Mary's devotion, she's in the right place at the right time and is about to witness, be the first to witness the resurrection of Jesus, resurrection from the grave. Her devotion, it didn't take a day off, even when, when others may have thought that it was completely over. Now, I've had the joy and the privilege of working at One Church now for a while and I've been able to talk with some of you. And if you've had a conversation with me, it has most likely come up that I am an imbalanced fan of Philadelphia sports. It's, it's an issue. It is, and just to prove that it's an issue, I brought a picture here from my last time at a Philadelphia Phillies game, their baseball team. So that's me in the sort of white jersey, white hat, white and black hat with my head up in the air like this. What happened was, is there was a questionable call, and I decided to go down and discuss with the umpire in a very civil way why a call went a certain way. The umpire is supposed to make sure that the rules are followed throughout the game, and he did not give me an answer that I agreed with, so there is my despair. 
Now, I just want to point out, I'm not trying to, to cause anything here. I just want to point out, he's talking in a very friendly way to a Braves fan who they were playing that night. And I don't know if there's anything going on, but it's a little bit suspicious. That's all I'm going to say. You do with that as you will. See, this is, it, it's the best way to describe it. It's a sickness. It was passed down to me by, by my father. It was passed on to me by my father, passed on to him from his father, and surely I will pass it on to my children as well. And because of this, I do not understand. I cannot wrap my head around the idea of a fair weather fan, a fair weather sports fan. People that just say, oh, I root for that team when they're winning. I wish I could understand. It would save me so much heartbreak and so much pain if I could adopt that same mindset. But no, my intense devotion to these teams either ends in insane, joyous jubilee or bone-crushing defeat, both of which have led to riots in the street of Philadelphia, which I have not taken part of. To the officers in the room, I have not taken part <laughs> of that. <laughs> So, and, and I don't want to say that having interests, having hobbies, those, those are good things. I'm not belittling that, but I use it as a check for myself. You know, do I go about my devotion to God in the same way? Am I making sure that, that my devotion to Jesus doesn't take any days off? Making sure that there's, there's no cheat days? Do I bring about a devotion with that same fervor, that same tenacity? Because devotion to Jesus needs to be a daily devotion, an everyday discipline. When it comes to daily devotion, it, we're, we're required to have a plan in place. We need to have a plan in place. Not just have a plan in place, but make sure that we are following that plan as well so we can grow deeper, grow stronger in our relationship with God. But as we look at that, as we're having this daily devotion, we should be open to how God is revealing himself to us in new ways. Mix it up a little bit. Is God talking to you in, in a new way that you might not expect? Maybe he's talking into that area of your life that you don't want to devote to him as well. All of this is put in place with the goal and expectation that we will grow closer to God and be able to communicate with him more freely. So how do we go about this daily devotion? First off is through prayer. Prayer is important. The Bible says to seek first his kingdom. And when I, when I think of that, I then reflect on the days that I start with prayer, and then I reflect on the days where I start with waking up and immediately going to my phone first, or immediately checking sports scores or sports highlights, which often leads to anger. And then I think about, okay, news, whatever it might be, but am I starting my day with prayer? Am I setting it up with that? And not only just starting my day, but in seeking his kingdom first, but also praying continuously. Praying throughout the day, when I walk, when I'm working, when I'm driving. Because what that does is we're communicating with God throughout the day. It's recognizing that Jesus is always there with us. If we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, then Jesus is always there. And if he's always there we, and we're talking to him, then we're, then we're not ignoring him. We're not ignoring Jesus throughout the day. With prayer as well, a daily devotion through scripture meditation. Notice it says scripture meditation and not Bible study up there. Studying the Bible is very important. And it can, God can reveal himself through different ways to that. It can be powerful, but the goal should not be knowing facts and figures for just the sake of knowing facts and figures. 
No, we should be focused instead on how God is speaking to us in these new ways, revealing himself to us as we meditate on scripture, as we dive deep into it, as we read it over and over again, and he continues to reveal himself to us because God is never changing, but he's always revealing new things to us, ever revealing to us. If we just want to focus on the facts and figures, we're closing ourselves off to how God is speaking to us. We practice daily devotion through worship. Worship means to exalt God, exalt God, to to think very highly of God, hold him in high regard. And worship, exalting God, is the correct response when faced with the presence of God. And truly, we are always in the presence of God. When you think about that we're just here today, breathing breath in our lungs, the fact that God has placed every star in the sky, created every living creature on earth, and all of these things are existing at the same time, even right now, as we gather together today. Worship cannot be constrained to just one block of time in the week. Should always be worshiping God. Worship is never ending because God's might and power is never ending. Most importantly, when it comes to daily devotion, we must keep in mind that we need to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we're living a life that is filled with God, then let us walk in the same Spirit. Let us be recognizable by the fruit that we bear, by the words that we speak, by the works that we do, all pointing back to the spirit that we are walking alongside of, walking with. Let's follow Jesus as Mary did, being devoted to him, walking each step the the way with him, following Jesus to the cross, to the grave. Her devotion to Jesus put her in the right place at the right time to witness the miracle of the resurrection. Because you see, daily devotion allows us to recognize miracles. It helps us to recognize miracles. Seeing what God is doing in the world, how he's moving, how he's always just there and, and working these miracles around us. But often we can be guilty of belittling miracles. We think that for some reason it, it, it just kind of always happened back in biblical times. Like, oh, that must, just must have been a typical Tuesday. You know, miracle happened. No one really took note of it. People took note of it. People really took note of when Jesus raised a man from the dead, of when he healed a blind man, when he made a lame man walk. They took notice when he himself conquered death. People took notice. Devotion to him helps us recognize miracles and see the power of God. Picking back up in verse 14, it says this. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. First off, I want to pause and just kind of enjoy the moment that the resurrected Jesus looked like a gardener. You know, we think about illustrations and paintings of this moment in history, and I'm not sure if they're really reflecting the text well. Jesus might be, you know, 
hovering off the ground as a halo behind his head or something. But Mary is saying that, no, he, he looked like a gardener. And also I want to point out, and this really stood out to me, that Mary doesn't start by saying like, oh, good, Mr. Gardener, you're here. My name is Mary. Have you seen Jesus? No, she never reveals her name to him. So it's not until Jesus says her name that she realizes that it's him. Mary's in the right place at the right time to recognize a miracle. When Jesus says her name, she knows him. She recognizes him. And we think that miracles only happened on earth when Jesus was around, that when he ascended back into heaven, we were done. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus lays out that uh, there will be an advocate that will come as well, that the Father will send, that will do the work of the Father to abide with us, live in us, and that's the Holy Spirit. So when we are members of the family of God, when we have salvation through that, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, well, then we are also carrying out the mission of God. And then you think about how there are more Christians than ever before on earth, more people living with the Holy Spirit inside of them. We could then come to the conclusion that there are most likely more miracles happening around us than ever before. Are we walking around with our heads up, recognizing those miracles, seeing God at work in the world around us? Are we more prone to say, ah, it's just a coincidence? I'm not sure what happened. I can't explain it, but, it, you know, that stuff happens. Or are we going to admit that it is most likely the divine working amongst his creation? And I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this all the time. Back in 2009, I was diagnosed with uh, really an annoying autoimmune disorder. It would rear its head through severe stomach pain and extreme joint muscle ache, very intense fatigue and it was just kind of what I was living with now when I was first diagnosed it wasn't that bad I kind of got by but as I got older and older it kept getting worse and worse until it got to the point where I was probably spending two or three weeks uh, throughout the two or three weeks uh, once or twice a year in the hospital I would be out of work for every three months for three to four weeks at a, at a time and just kind of just getting by as you can see, I'm doing better now. I, through different medication and, and, and change of diet, I'm, I'm doing well. And I think I'm too prone to just chalk it up to that. But then I realized there was a ton of people praying for me. There's groups of people praying that God would heal me, that my pain would subside, my symptoms would go away. You know, I think I'm, I'm able to be up here today because of a miracle. I think it's a miracle I'm able to stand up here, not worry about that today. The more I seek to be devoted to God, the easier it is to recognize the work that has been done in me. How he has healed me and uses that healing to shape my life into where I am today. It's easier and easier to see. See, when we're devoted to God, it, it means that we're looking for him. We're looking for him just like Mary was. And, and when we're looking for it, it's easier to see those miracles like, oh, man, doesn't that make it all the easier to worship him? Doesn't it make you want to cry out more and more because we're witnessing the power and the might of God. We see that he is in control. It is not up to us, but through his great power, through his great power, all things are possible. We realize that he is greater than us. 
Devotion to God allows us to recognize miracles, but even better, the best thing of all is that devotion compels us to share hope. To share hope. Because it's easier to share despair. That's the easier thing to do. You'd be like a train going by. It's just easy to hop right on. The harder thing to do is to share hope, to share love, which the world desperately needs. Needs more of around there. More sharing of hope, more sharing of love. Our devotion to Jesus will allow us to see what he's doing around us, and we will be compelled to share that joy, share that hope with those around us. In verse 17, Jesus says this. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. See, Mary's devotion put her in the right place to witness this and then was able to share the hope that she just witnessed. She said, I have seen the Lord. I have seen. Here's a woman that was, we see was, was afflicted by seven demons that Jesus has, has rescued her from, has delivered her from. So from that, from that to then be the one going down to the rest of the disciples saying, I have seen the Lord. Man, what a life transformed. And why are we any different? When we are devoted to Jesus, we get to hear from him. We get to see what he is doing, share hope offered through salvation. We get to experience the world around us in a new and different way. Because devotion doesn't remind us of who we were. It shows us who we are. It doesn't remind us who we were. It shows us who we are, who we are through God and because of God. Because Jesus is constantly revealing who we are in him and through him. We're his beloved. We're his friends. We're members of the family of God. When we were preparing this sermon as a, as a preaching team and talking about it, if you're not aware, it's one of the great things about one church is that we get to meet together as a preaching team. Anyone that's going to preach at any of the outposts, we meet together once a week and discuss the sermon series that we're in. And our senior pastor, Bo, gave us a charge. He says, through your daily devotion, wants you to listen to a new song that God is revealing to you. What is a new song that God has been revealing to you? And for me, as I look at this and I, I think about hope and I think about devotion to God, there's a new song that's starting to form because the old song, the old song was focused on, on intense work, on running fast. It'd be, it'd be a song that is intense drums and high intensity. I got to work as hard as I can for as long as I can. Get this thing done in order so that the next thing can get done. And if that thing gets done, then this person might think highly of me, which allow X, Y, or Z to also get done. But that's only going to happen if I work as hard as I possibly can. So instead, through looking at this hope, a new song started to come. It's a song that's focused on the fact that God loves me, that Jesus loves me, and there's no power inside of me that can get it done, but it's only through him. And that's the beautiful thing about devotion. So it's, it's an old song, but with a new meaning for me. It says, Jesus loves me, this I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And what a beautiful thing. You see, devotion to God, it, it's, it's a devotion filled with hope. That we don't need to rely on ourselves, but through this devotion, he's revealing more and more that there's that hope that is inside of us, a hope that is given to us, and then a hope that we get to share as well. His hope is filled with love. And that devotion is always going to be more fulfilling for us as we draw closer and closer to him. Devotion to God puts us in the right place at the right time to witness what he's doing, witness the miracles around us, and then compel us to go out and share that hope. It's because of that love and that hope that we are able to go to the table and be reminded of that hope. Be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. For on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. and When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is my new covenant, my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I pray that I seek Jesus with with the same fervor as Mary did. I pray that I have the strength to be devoted to him. And when my strength falls short, which it always does, I go to his strength. And his strength is never failing. I want to seek that hope. I want to seek to share that hope, that love, that joy. If today you have have anything that you want to talk about with this, any prayer requests about this hope, about what it means to be devoted to God, I'll be up here in the front. Dan will be down here as well. We're able to pray for you. But if you are also here today and you're saying today's the day. Today's the day where I want to be fully devoted to Jesus. I am all in on what he has got going on in the world around me. I know that I am more fulfilled with joy and love with following him and today's the day you want to be baptized. Please come down as well. We'd love to celebrate that with you. Would you end in prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful that you, that that we are able to be devoted to you. That, Lord, that devotion will never come up short. Anything that, that we're devoted in here on earth will fall short, but devotion to you will always stay strong and stay true. Lord, we ask for the strength that there are no days off when it comes to devotion, that we will follow you to the very end. Follow you to the very end and share that hope day in and day out. Share that love, share that intense joy with the world around us. Thank you for this time that we can share together. In your name we pray, amen.